If you or anyone you know is suffering, there's a crisis text line with free 24-7 support. Text HOME to 741-741 for the United States and Canada, 85258 for the United Kingdom, and 50808 for Ireland. You can find them on crisistextline.org, and they're also available to message via Facebook. Happy October Nightmare Society. To continue in our celebration of this month, we will hear some stories that are of the stuff of movies and nightmares, but are true. They come from user leading travel and user it's Sarah Sugar. Thank you guys for sharing your stories. The woods can be a beautiful and peaceful place, but things can quickly get dangerous particularly in remote areas. And something I have never thought of came to mind today. What if the danger wasn't only relegated to the woods, but the threat, the evil, could follow you long after you've stepped out of the forest and back to your home? Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. First off, I'm not a professional and not exactly sure if these are skinwalkers. However, I do believe so. It was 2019, November, I believe. I went hunting with my family. We own a huge farm. I would love to share where, but I've been stalked before, and that's still a fear of mine. Anyway, we set out around 5 in the morning. Later that day, my cousin had shot one, a medium-sized buck, four-pointer. It was growing dark as we got the buck back to the garage to prepare. Anyway, as we were skinning the deer, the forest grew eerily silent. The only sound was light footsteps in the forest and coyotes howling. By the time we finished skinning the deer, it was pitch black. Just as we were about to leave the garage and go eat dinner, the door got stuck. My uncle was relatively mad and fought with it. He couldn't get the garage door all the way closed, and he ended up giving up. So we go eat and then off to bed. I couldn't sleep. Something kept me up. I had the best bed, warm temperatures, everything was perfect. But I couldn't sleep. My window was open and I was hearing crunches outside. Now keep in mind this is at about one in the morning. I tossed and turned but nothing. Nothing other than the tapping and scratching that started on my window screen. I was horrified. I grabbed my phone and shined the flashlight over to the screen. What I saw horrified me. It was the deer. The deer we had just skinned earlier. Now, I forgot to mention this earlier, but this deer had a huge dent in its skull. We had no idea why, but on this imposter was the same dent that was in the same place 
I was slightly alarmed at the sight and then I remembered my window is six feet off the ground. I froze in fear. The thing let out a low growl and stared at me. I tried to ignore it but fear overwhelmed me and I fainted. I woke up in the morning and ran to the garage. The skin was gone. The only thing left was a pool of blood. The deer was still hanging up fine. I ran over to my window. Prints. There were prints, not even deer prints. They looked like footprints mixed with a deer hoof and some type of deep indention that I think could have been a claw mark. This was four years ago, when I was 15, on a muzzle loader's mule deer hunt in the far northeastern part of Utah, which contains some of the most remote and beautiful places in the state. I've frequently been out in this area spreading in Summit County that cuts in and out of lower Wyoming since before I can remember, including lots of hiking, backpacking, camping, hunting, and being involved in some of my grandfather's work. I am skeptical of things not proven by methods of science, but I don't deny all of those things. I find that it's impossible for science to know of all that's out there in our vast world. My grandfather is recently a retired biologist and former conservation office for the state and was a regional specialist and was over all of the wildlife and habitat management for many years. He's done everything from habitat management programs, controlled fires to benefit areas, to quite literally wrangling moose to be transplanted and darting black bears. He's seen mountain lions, bears, birds of all kinds, small mammals, ruminants, plants, and natural phenomena for a majority of his life, and he understands so much that people, including myself, will never be able to even imagine. He's scientific, honest, straightforward, level-headed. He's agnostic and is not superstitious and often used to lovingly and respectfully tease a certain CEO who thinks certain Bigfoot, skinwalkers, and other beings exist. Other than this experience, he has never encountered an animal that he could not at least partially, if not completely, identify. And other than the natural, innate fear of being in close quarters with a bear, drunken and belligerent hunter or incredibly potent tranquilizer medication, he's told me over and over he's never been terrified of an animal or experience like this, only curious or surprised. It was late September and we were in a small camp by a lake in the Uinta Mountains, hunting both grouse and mule deer with muzzle loaders. The camp was a small collection of men and women my grandfather had worked with over the years as a supervisor slash biologist slash CEO, and these were people I grew up with. One of the women, a new wife to one of the guys, had shot a buck deer, injuring but not killing it immediately, and they had lost track of it, devastated by the thought of wasting the animal 
She returned to camp in the afternoon upset and concerned that the deer had run into an even more secluded area of the mountain, which was hard to reach from the trail that she had shot from, a place my grandfather was familiar with because it was such a pain in the butt to get to, with lots of deadfall and steep terrain. We volunteered to go in the late afternoon to search for the deer, following a scant blood trail that she had tracked for a while before getting fatigued and intimidated by the terrain. Because both my grandfather and I were in good shape, and he was so familiar, it didn't seem like a big deal. Before we left, she mentioned hearing what she assumed was coyotes, which made her even more so concerned that if the deer died, they would ruin the meat and hide before she could harvest it. We took off in the early evening, expecting to be back within an hour or two of searching and having our guns with us, in case we found the animal still alive or came across another buck worth trying to harvest. It was steep in some places, with lots and lots of deadfall of varying heights, making the hike slower and more tedious than we had hoped, making us understand the other hunter's fatigue. She had marked the blood trail with bright orange pieces on the tree, which we followed for maybe 20 minutes, and then it got hard to track. The sun was getting close to setting at this point, and we knew getting out would be just as long as getting in. We had just about decided to stop when we found a spot near a fallen tree that looked like it had been recently bedded down in, followed with spatters of fairly fresh blood, and we continued for longer. When the sun had just about set and the light had faded from the trees, we removed the firing caps from our guns to make them now completely safe, as it was now illegal and irresponsible to hunt with such an absence of decent light. My grandfather pulled out his large mag light flashlight from his pack and I put on my headlamp to begin the hike back, using our GPS to find the trailhead. About ten minutes on the way back, we started to hear more movement among the trees. It was normal for animals to start moving now that the sun had gone down, as animals would likely be starting to head towards clearings for water or to graze in the safety of the lower light. Small and distant sounds of crunching leaves, patterings of hooves, animals or small bits of movement in the trees from squirrels or birds was common and expected. We did not expect the deafening, disturbing sound we heard next, which vaguely and initially reminded me of a coyote howl. But by a few seconds in, it was unidentifiable, frightening, and human-like. It started with what sounded like a person screaming, but then got louder and more intense with a screech to it. So, unlike any coyote or any animal we had ever heard. Then was the almost chittering that came in between the shrieks, and the movement of the trees becoming almost calculated, almost threatening. We stopped dead in our tracks, frozen as my grandfather started using the light to look around. I was more freaked out than him at this point. He just seemed perplexed and a little baffled at what could make that sound. It sounded human, but with no words, with no urge of tone of help or 
I'm just screaming to mess with you. We continued on after it mostly stopped, and it seemed like the other natural and distant sounds had gone almost silent. I listened intently to the sound of my boots crunching with the dry aspen leaves underfoot, trying to tell myself that it was just some weird coyote with a horribly deformed larynx or something. Maybe twenty minutes from the main trail that would lead us to the truck, we heard the chittering sound again, and sounds of thumping against dead trees. Looking around with our lights in between deadfall, maybe twelve to fifteen feet in front of us, was a large human looking thing. It was almost hunched down, with long, slender arms around the front of a standing aspen. The aspen, of course, was pale white, with the knots being dark and brown, and whatever it was had skin almost as pale. I caught a very brief glimpse of its face. It seemed round and the eyes seemed sunken and I could not tell you the eye color other than a flash of reflection on the eye from my light, and that its face seemed sunken and emaciated. I didn't see any fur or hair. I never felt like it looked right at me, more my grandfather, and just in our general direction, almost confused and curious. For a mere couple of seconds I caught a glimpse of it, but that was it. I looked down at the ground holding my eyes shut tight trying to imagine being safe and secure in the truck, and my grandfather took a few stumbling steps backwards towards me. I heard the thing go off to our side, moving quickly and with purpose through the trees to the side and then drop down behind us, I would assume according to the sound. But I hope it went in the opposite direction. My grandfather turned to where it had veered off as to follow it, but soon he stopped and looked at me. I had never before and never since seen him so confused, baffled, horrified, curious, and in awe. I was crying at this point, ugly crying, trying to muffle my shaking breath and voice, and asked him, what was that, over and over again and he had no answer for me. He pulled his gun off his shoulder and put a cap back on the nipple of the igniter, making the gun live, and he then carried it in front of his body and his arm. He pulled out another headlight to put on himself. We started walking again towards the trail. As he was talking to himself, listing off the things that it wasn't, things like couldn't have been a deer or elk or moose. It had arms. It was hunched. It stood upright. Or a bear. A very sick bear. It couldn't have been a bear. Or could it have been a bear? Was it the light? We heard the sound. The screeching human howled distantly once more before reaching the trail, which was dirt and gravel, but fairly flat, and no deadfall. We practically jogged to the truck. I locked the doors immediately and sobbed, and my grandfather turned on music as loud as possible to try to distract me on the way back to the camp. I was a mess when we arrived back, and he went to talk with the others by the fire when he got me settled in my sleeping bag in my bunk. He explained some to his friends, but I don't know what all he said. 
The next day everyone was extra sweet to me, trying to comfort me and saying it was probably a sick animal that just looked scary in the dark. The deer the hunter shot was found the next day in the daylight, scavenged quite harshly by what I assumed was coyotes. To this day he has no clue what it was, nor what that sound was, and before and since I've heard both coyote and many other animal sounds that never even compared to that sound. The scientist in me, and in him, the hopeful and blissfully ignorant people in us hope and speculate it was just a deformed, sick animal in scant light. But I still have no clue of what that thing was, and I hope I never, ever experience it again. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget the Nightmare Society podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts as well as YouTube, and there's a new episode every Thursday. A big thanks to our producers for this week's episode, Danielle, Ginger, Mike, Cadogie, Devin, Savannah, Pixel Donut, Janelle, Michelle, Diane, Joy, Josh, Shorty, Lauren, Rebecca, Araceli, Kehlani Hawaii, Obese J, KDP, Rory, Kaylee, Bradley, Christelle. Brandon, Shelby TX, Lorraine, Courtney, Chris, Heidi, Lila, and Jerron. If you're interested in becoming a member of the official Nightmare Society Campfire Online, you can find us on patreon.com slash nightmare society. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet. <laughs>